Welcome back to Poltergeist and Pixie Dust, the horror movie survival podcast with a happily ever after twist, where a logical thinker and a whimsical dreamer help you survive scary movies without losing any sleep. We try our best. <sighs> well, you want some, you lose some. I'm going to lose this one. Okay. <laughs> The logical one of our pairing. That's Hogan in the background. The, uh-huh. the emotional <laughs> support one of the group. I was going to say the furry one, the four-legged. Mm-hmm. But she's a little feisty, yeah. And I'm Kelly, the whimsical one. And this week we are watching the 1974 slasher film Black Christmas. I am full of regret. Can we just start with that? I... And with you. <laughs> For those who haven't seen it or are not familiar with it, here's the IMDb description. During their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. That's it? That's it. That's a terrible synopsis. Terrible synopsis. Who wrote that? <laughs> stalked by a stranger from inside their own house. The calls are coming from inside the house. Every horror movie that has used that yeah. from here on out, it, it, this is it. Yeah. 1974. The calls are coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. The kills are happening from inside the house. Mm-hmm. The fuck are you still doing inside the house? Yes, yeah, I'm with you. I did not handle this one well. Um, we have a couple of fun facts about this movie. Before I we have jump no in. fun facts. I don't think this is a fun one. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's fun that this is often considered the first North American slasher film. Um, so that was pretty neat. It came out the same year as uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So this is like barely the first one. Well, Probably. I'm just saying, I don't want to give extra credit to this film if I don't have okay, to. Okay, that's fair. I'm not happy with the ending. Okay, that's that's the Christmas spirit. Uh, this is not about Christmas spirit. <laughs> <laughs> we picked this movie so that we could... Uh, I don't know why. Why did we do no, this? No, we picked this movie so that we could put it out the week of Christmas uh, so that it would be festive. I'm not feeling festive right mm-hmm. now. I regret everything. I'm feeling a little murderous. Uh, uh, yeah. This was also, <laughs> we discovered, based on a true story. True-ish. Okay. Wayne Clifford Bowden. Oh, he didn't die until 2006. Uh, he was a Canadian serial killer and rapist active between 1969 and 71. He killed four women, three in Montreal and one in Calgary. He earned the nickname the Vampire Rapist for biting the breasts of his victims and received... Four life sentences. Ugh. Yeah. His was the first murder conviction in North America due to forensic odontological evidence. Forensic dentistry. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> I saw a couple of different things that may have influenced the movie. Um, one was the murder of some woman in 1943 by her 14 year old son. Another was that there were elements based on the serial killer known as the lipstick killer. 
um, who wrote on the wall at one of his victims' homes, I think it was, uh, please stop me or something like that in lipstick. And uh, what else did we have in there? The urban legend about the babysitter who gets the threatening calls from inside the house, which is also low-key one of my favorite like campy horror movies, When a Stranger Falls. Hogan. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Yeah. So those are kind of fun facts. Uh, we have a different definition of fun. <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> so the movie starts at this Christmas party. So you've got the tone all set. Everybody's drinking and there's Christmas carols playing. Um, Lots of merriment. Yeah. Getting ready to go home for the holidays. Um, it's in a sorority house also. Yes, we're in a sorority house. They don't say what school they attend or anything like that. I didn't hear them identify the school. She does talk about going into a city. Yeah. Um, and how it's not that far. And, right. But no, I'm not I'm not sure of where it is. If it's, I don't know, I'm assuming it's supposed to be set in Canada, but I don't. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Um, I heard somebody say a boot. <laughs> So, so therefore, so safe bet. <laughs> but mostly accents. Like I didn't hear a lot of other, you know, terminology or accents or anything. And where would you say that Jess was from? I was lost on that one. Okay, because I asked myself, is she British or is this a speech impediment? Like my cousin when he was a kid, he didn't say his R's, and my boyfriend at the time thought he was just from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> um, no, I didn't take it as a speech issue. I assumed she was from somewhere, but let's take a quick look. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the film does open with Christmas music playing. Uh, it's outside of a house that has decorations and lights on okay. it before we even get in and, and yep. see the people and everything. Um, just the outside of it almost seems cheerful. Oh, yeah. And we were scammed. Yeah. Yeah. We were misled. Mm-hmm. I want my money back. I do, too. Um, it was a good movie. I'm not going to lie. It no, was a very good it was, movie. It was yeah, well done. Very well done. I'm just a little bitter still because I wish it, there were 10 more minutes of it. Yeah. The first glimpse that we get of this uh, murderer is that we see him creeping around outside the house from his point of view. Yes. It's got that shaky single camera point of view going very on. Very Blair Witch Project, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, this is where I wrote down, it was very Halloween for me. Mm. Uh, John Carpenter's With the heavy Halloween. breathing and stuff. It's the heavy breathing, the point of view camera of being with the killer mm-hmm. and not seeing the killer. So you, it's not identified at that point. You don't know who the killer is. Right. Um, but yeah, that and it's outside at night on a holiday time mm-hmm. period. It's so different holiday, different, uh, you know, different circumstance, but um, very much the same technique. And yeah. and that's what Carpenter's Halloween film opens with. And that was four years later in 1978. Right. So outside, it kind of gave a peeping Tom idea because he's kind of, you know, to give the audience a view of what's going on. He's peeking in the windows, right. peeking in the door, climbs up the outside of the house to let himself into the attic. Yeah, breaks the attic window. Yeah. Just lets himself in. Exactly. So it's, it's uh, you're with him at that point, and then we start meeting the other characters. Right. The phone rings. It's long distance for one of the girls, Barb, who we know from the Amityville Horror, um, and also... Superman, because she was Lois Lane back Margot, in the day. Margot Kidder. Yep. Yep. She gets this long distance call from her mom. 
Uh, it doesn't go great. It ends with her calling her mother a gold-plated whore. Yeah, saw that. And then just no further conversation. We never hear about her mother again. <laughs> no, but I mean, she's definitely, her mom is blowing her off for the holidays. Right. And kind of implying that she's, her mom's going to be going off with somebody. And, yeah. And Barb is asking, well, why can't I come with you? And Oh, sad. Yeah. But then she is kind of bitter and mean to a lot of people and pushing people away for most of the film. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering, you know, if this call didn't come in how her personality would have been different. Um, no, I think she was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see it, but I don't know if she would have been like this kind of right. vindictive. Right, um, to this extreme. But I also think, you know, she would have been alive because mm-hmm. she would have left as planned. Yeah. Spoiler, Barb doesn't make it. Uh-huh. Um, the phone rings again, and I can't remember who answers the phone, and they say it's the moaner again. Jess answers most of the calls. So it's- also, she should not be in charge of answering the phone. She's, She's not the best. Hello? 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 Oh, Barb, it's your mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is not an appropriate way to answer the phone. No. So they all kind of gather around to listen to this call, which is just this caller doing all these different voices and screaming and snorting and rambling obscenities pretty big obscenities um we don't i guess we don't need to include them here mm-hmm. so barb eggs him on yeah barb provokes him and he finally says he will kill her and then hangs up uh he did follow through on that uh-huh. <laughs> and just to go back to jess for a second jess is played by Olivia Hussey. She played... Oh, my God. (laughs) She played uh, Juliet in Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet in 1968. Oh, wow. She was only 15. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, here she would have been about 21. Yeah. Um, And she is a veteran of the London stage. She debuted opposite... she is British. (laughs) Debuted opposite Vanessa Redgrave, actually, in the prime of Miss Jean Brody. Has appeared in over two dozen films, including Death two on the Nile. Two dozen films? Is two that... dozen. Oh, my God. Did I say thousand? What is wrong with me? I was like, holy shit. I'm tired. Hardest working woman in Hollywood. Over two dozen films, including Death on the Nile, mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth, Last Days of Pompeii, um, The Bastard, Hallmark's Hall of Fame, Ivanhoe. And, uh, yeah, this one. So her father is uh, Argentinian. Her mother was English and Scottish. Spent her early youth in Buenos Aires. Uh, When she was seven, she moved with her mother and younger brother to England. So that's that. Wait a second. That's not that. She then moved to L.A. where she met and married Dean Paul Martin, son of the late and great entertainer Dean Martin. No. They had a son who's now an actor, Alexander Martin. That's pretty wild. That is a fun fact. That one is fun. I do like that one. I enjoy that. Yep. What's with all these uh, crooners having kids in these horror movies? That's true. So after this phone call, Mrs. Mack comes home. Yes. It's the house mother. Kind of at the same time, Claire goes to pack because she is leaving the next day, her dad's coming to get her. She goes to the closet and just like takes this section of clothes, just like scoops them up with the hangers and everything and brings them to the bed to pack them. Right next to the last one that she grabbed is 
like plastic that would have been like with dry cleaning, you know, mm-hmm. or something. And the killer is behind it or in it. <laughs> Clear plastic. Yeah. And she doesn't see him and we see him and I don't like it. Yeah, Claire does not see the killer. What she does end up seeing is this big furry cat in there in the room. Claude. Claude, who it sounds like is Mrs. Max cat. Mm-hmm. And my note that I wrote down is please don't hurt the cat. Oh. Like for the killer. Uh-huh. I knew Claire was a goner. Yeah. There's no way you're getting out of this. You didn't see the killer. Now, you you know, you're going to die. Yep. But don't hurt the cat. No, I, uh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> you don't like cats. I don't. <sighs> um, but I, my note about the cat was that uh, Claude knows because he knew that there was somebody in the closet because he was meowing and meowing and meowing. <laughs> um, so she hears the cat meowing in the closet and like an idiot ignores rule number two and goes to investigate you don't investigate never investigate you take the cat you leave you get all the other nine sorority girls Mm -hmm. and say hey let's either go check this out or all 10 of us go sit on the front porch till the cops get here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my question here is how did he randomly choose her room to hide in like, he just randomly picked the one room of the next girl to come upstairs who would only, like, be the only girl coming upstairs for the next right. future. That's true. So, I was, you know, initially <laughs> wondering, how did he randomly pick that? Or or how long had he been in there? Right. Or, I mean, has he been going room to room and be like, no, 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 no. Okay. The, you know, Goldilocks? Like, this one feels right. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. So, either or way. maybe he saw that she had her suitcases on her bed, like, ready to pack. No. So, like, nobody would miss her? We were talking about the guy who was just yelling the profanities about <laughs> Piggy, whatever. Yeah. Ugh. I'm not. I don't like it. I don't have a lot of. <clears throat> uh, we also then get a little insight into Mrs. Mack, um, <laughs> who has just booze hidden all over this house. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's a great use of hollowed out books mm-hmm. and tops of toilets. Yep. Toilet eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. Later, she goes to her closet and pulls out shoe boxes and quite disappointed when they're empty. They're empty, yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, Mrs. Mack, I compared at this point to Miss Hannigan from Annie. See that? Of all the <laughs> could definitely see that. But she's a lot nicer and seems to actually care about the girls. <laughs> she does. Likes her cat, too. Mm-hmm. Um. And we, we do learn a little bit more about Jess yeah. and her relationship. Yeah. So she gets another phone call, which she picks up and, you know, luckily it's not allegedly not the killer. <laughs> um, but it's a boyfriend or whatever relationship she's got going with this guy, Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells him that she wants to talk to him face to face. And he's an asshole about it. He is. But... Well, I don't like this. When he says, I love you, she ends it with, I know. Not a fan of that. They do it in Star Wars. I don't care. <laughs> and I think this is before Star Wars, no? 1974 was in Star Wars yeah, after yeah. this? Yeah, so, no. Oh, maybe that's where they got it from. This is the worst movie to quote stuff from. <laughs> so, yeah, he says, I love you. She says, I know. My issue here is, why would she even say... I want to have a face-to-face conversation with you. Why not just go to him and have that talk? Like, I'm not a fan of somebody who's like, 
we need to have the talk. We need to talk kind of situation. Um, like, why make somebody worry about it? That, that so didn't bother me as much in this case because I got the impression that she'd been trying to and he's been so busy and hasn't slept in three days and hasn't been able to make time. Well, he's got this massive recital coming up. Right. And so he's part that, of a conservatory. That was the vibe I got. Like, she, he's just been so busy, she has to schedule the time with him. That didn't bother me. So, Jess goes to check on Claire, mm-hmm. uh, but we know that she's dead and plastic-wrapped okay. up in the attic. Um, there is a... Oh, no, not a phone call. I think this is just happening up in the attic where the guy is doing a creepy voiceover singing baby bunting was oh. that over the phone or was that just we're watching him? i think we were just watching him did not like that Mm-mm. um and claire's dad is looking for her oh i did like mrs mack had the line uh these girls would hump the leaning tower of pisa yeah I thought that was a great assessment of sorority uh-huh. girls in this case. <laughs> like, right. These sorority girls these in this case, yeah. not a generic thing about sorority girls, but right. just these particular ones, I thought that was a decent assessment. Um, Claire's dad, though, can we talk a little bit about that? He's waiting outside where he's supposed to meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets hit in the face with a snowball and knocks his glasses off. That was shitty. And he can't find the... That really bummed me out. Yeah. Um, But a a guy did... A college-age guy did come over pretty quickly. Yeah. Make sure he got his glasses. Say, you know, he's sorry. He should have been keeping a better eye on the boys, like the kids who threw the snowballs. And he asks, you know, I'm supposed to be picking up my daughter. Do you know her? Um, And that's kind of when it, it gets planted or it gets... I don't know. They put it out there that... Well, she should have been, you know, X, Y, Z, but actually I haven't seen her. Actually, I haven't seen her since, you know. Yeah. People start recognizing that they haven't seen Mm -hmm. her in a while. So I have here that you see the dad outside leaving and then it pans up. Oh, because she, he does go to the house. Yeah. Um, And later you see him leaving and it pans into where Claire is inside the house. Yeah. They show this shot a couple of times, like from... I don't know, like over where Claire is. Plastic wrapped. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shrink wrapped. I don't know. Um, which is right next to the window and out the window, you just see the street. Mm-hmm. So like nobody sees her. I sounds like a no. I don't like that. And it's up in the attic. I don't like it. I agree. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it is up in the attic. Uh, she is facing the window I don't know from the street how what it looks mm, like. Yeah, like it does it look like storage because it's a whole bunch of crap up there. It is There's wrapped in plastic. So much crap up there. Um, um, yeah, so I'm not sure on that one. So yeah, so Claire's dad. Uh, does, I just refer to him as Mister H. What was the last name? Um, you don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. So Mister H um, goes to the house. Mrs. Mac is a hot mess, and I just have to ask. How did she get this gig? <laughs> what she's, was the interview process? She's got to be the only one. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Um, so she's supposed to be going to 
wherever she was going was right near the fraternity. Yeah. And that's, and where, that's where they were going to go look for her. Yeah. She suggested Claire might be there because there's a holiday event that some of the girls are helping out with. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going somewhere in that direction. Ask for a ride. She hears Claude meowing, but can't find him. Um, and then they're, they're off and running. Mm-hmm. Is the next scene when Jess and Peter are talking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for this one, this is where I actually got a little pissed at her. So we find out here that uh, Jess is pregnant and mm-hmm. she wants to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Peter wants to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's getting annoyed with her and saying, don't you think about anyone but yourself? First, I was like, wow, he's, he's a dick because I'm thinking he's thinking about the abortion. And I'm like, wait, it's it's her decision to keep or not keep a baby. That's mm-hmm. completely her choice. It's right. not thinking about you or not. And this is a year after Roe v. Wade. It's legal. So yep. it's legal. 1973, <laughs> we're at 1974. She, I thought about that too. Nope, it is legal. He does not need to be involved. She is letting him know. Didn't need to let him know. My issue was he points out, and this is where I was on his side on this one. He points out how important the afternoon is. And she says that she knows he's got this recital that he yeah. has been practicing for, not sleeping, living at the conservatory. My question is, why couldn't she just wait till that night or the right. next day? One more day. Why yeah. did she, she's not going to have the abortion that day. She's right. not on her way to a clinic. Why did she have to put this in his head before he's going into a very pressure driven career move that he's got coming up? Right. Why would you ever do that to someone? Yeah, I I get that. I thought that was such a dick move on her part. Super selfish. I get it. So, yeah, I didn't like his reaction in terms of you you must keep the baby because I want the baby. Mm -hmm. Well, then he can carry the baby to term and he can raise the baby for the rest of, you know, the next 18 years and and whatever the kid needs after that. (laughs) But I, I did take issue with the fact that. In her mind, this had to happen at that time on yeah. that schedule. And I, I thought that was an asshole move. Yeah, that timing sucked. Yeah. And then we're back at the house. Yes, another call comes in. Uh, Mr. H is there. Barb is serving young children booze? Question mark? <laughs> That's at the fraternity. So this is not their house. Mr. H is at the fraternity Uh-oh. where the event was. Yep. And Barb is... Applying small children with alcohol. Okay, just checking. Yep, that happened. Jess answers the phone again. Hello? 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 <laughs> Good Lord. There's... Let me tell you something. If I answer the phone for a number I don't know, for whatever reason, I answer the phone. If I say hello and you don't answer, you don't get a second hello. <laughs> well, we're done with this. And I hang up. Like, there's no way I would say hello three times. I agree. Get out of here. Yeah. Also not sure why, if they're getting so many of these prank calls over this amount of time, they haven't just stopped answering the phone. Right. When did the answering machine come out? Oh, good go question. Why don't they have that? Right. Or like change your phone number. The caller is saying things like, Billy, where did you put the baby? Where did you put Agnes? Yes. They're talking about Agnes They're And he's they're doing this now in two distinct voices yeah um male and female Mm -hmm. later there's calls where it's like male female child Mm -hmm. and sometimes i don't know if he's doing both children's voices or it's all one child yeah um but yeah it's it's about billy agnes and where the baby is Mm -hmm. and you know this this comes up again later but i really really want the billy agnes backstory 
and they yeah. did not give us like, enough to work with. We have to assume that Billy is the killer. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is Agnes? Yeah. My assumption here is that, and I completely made this all up in my head. Oh, boy. But in my head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Agnes was Billy's younger sister. Okay. Because she would be the baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. Billy was left alone with Agnes at some point. <gasps> and something happened to Agnes. Oh, God. Whether it was intentional or not. Oh. Or if he tried to hide what he did and cover it up. Mm-hmm. But I got the impression that that's where he's still kind of locked in his head and doing the voices of both his parents and himself. But that wasn't explained in the movie. So in my head, that's the story that was happening. And he's playing this out. Why he ended up in a sorority house, I don't know. How he even, you know, I think it's... Where was he before this? Where was he coming from? Right. And in Halloween, they explain this. Like, you know, it starts out with a child and then you know where where the kid goes. And then it's how he came back. I need that backstory. I know. I don't have enough to know what's happening. I don't... I need it. When did the answering machine come out? 1960, I think. Really? How did you get that? I Googled it. Just now? Yeah. In the amount of time I've been looking, you've already... In the amount of time you were talking, yes. (laughs) I was saying important stuff. Um, (laughs) So, yes, they definitely had answering machines in 1974. They were just terrible at buying them. Yeah, I don't know how expensive they would have been then. Worth it. I'd say worth it. Sure. sure. But, yeah, so now we have... uh, Mr. H. Oh, Harrison. I did write it down. Yeah, all right. Um, at the police station to report his daughter is missing. This cop at the desk, Nash. Nash is the worst. He sucks. He doesn't take this seriously at all. Um, but he gives them a paper to fill out. Well, in his defense, Barb also told them their phone number exchange was fellatio. <laughs> so... He's uh, like, can you spell that? Yes. <laughs> and later when the cops laugh at him and give him a hard time, he's like, oh, I get it. It's something dirty, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I, oh, yeah. <laughs> so clearly Nash isn't getting any of it is, is what we can Nash conclude from that. might be the male professional virgin. Right. Yeah, he's, he's mm. definitely not getting that. <laughs> Uh, Jess, is it Jess that goes to the hockey rink? Jess goes to the hockey rink to see Chris, who is uh, Claire's, the guy that Claire has been seeing, and he is the goalie. So she goes there to say, Claire's missing. We tried to report it. The cops aren't taking it seriously. Right. Chris is the uh, goalie, and his mask is terrifying. I just thought it was plastic, like, like a... Terrifying. Why is it terrifying? I didn't like it. Okay. I was thinking it was like a plastic plate. Like, it didn't look like it would protect him against anything. anything. No. Yeah. Don't like it. 70s are terrifying. Um. Oh, wait. This is way back here, though. So, okay, yeah. The cops didn't take the report seriously. Before Chris even gets to the um, police station, though, Peter has his piano recital. Yeah. does not That was my well. next thing. Okay. So, he uh, completely bombs this. At, at the point, I don't... I don't think I knew what it was exactly. So I said, oh, whatever this audition is. Yeah. It seemed like an audition to move forward, but I just was calling it a recital in my... He refers to it as a recital later. Okay. Um, But yeah, because, you know, it's just him playing and like these three old guys. Yeah. I took them as, you know, judges or professors. Yeah. Somebody who's, you know, somehow grading. Right. And Um, he's not going to pass. Right. Because he... Even if you didn't catch on that he's playing 
the wrong notes. He's sweating profusely. He's wearing it all over his face. Um, the three guys watching are unimpressed. Right. Cringing at some points. Yeah, it's not pretty. But he is definitely hitting wrong notes, too. Yeah. Um, but now we're back with Chris, and he storms to the cops, demanding action. Yeah, so, and he, like, knows the detective by name, Ken, and they never explain, like, <laughs> why? He said something about a brother, and I don't know if he meant one of them was his brother or he knew or the a brother. a friend of a brother. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was some sort of personal connection. Very fuzzy. He is a uh, townie, because mm-hmm. they mentioned that, too. It seems like a very distinct... Uh, there's a distinction between people from the school and people who are townies. Right. There was a comment earlier in the beginning mm, did about, like a, that. about a townie who was raped. And Barb says, you can't rape a townie. Yeah. Did not love that. Nope. Um, yeah. The 70s, can we just say, like, were the worst. <laughs> just a lot of the mentality, I guess, that was accepted. Yeah. No. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Okay. Well, because think about it. We were just talking about Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. So the 70s brought about Roe v. Wade passing. Mm-hmm. So there is, there's progress happening. Oh, of course. It's, but So I think if you compared it to like the 50s, which I know we love the 50s. Sure. But if you go back to, you know, 20 years before that, mm-hmm. it's a completely different world. Of, oh, yeah. You know, opportunities and and legalities it's just mm-hmm. there's a it's a very different world so i'd say it sucks in certain ways but i think that it's moving in the right direction yeah it's it's not where where we are now where we are now somebody's probably gonna look back and say right what holy shit yeah. we're lucky to be alive we're like so wait yeah you should just yeah. mm-hmm. uh you should have been but while they're at the police station uh they find out that there's a 13 year old girl missing Janice. Janice. Yes. And that's just kind of like this side storyline that doesn't get any kind of like real depth. Um, It gets a conclusion, I guess, because they find her. But dead. Right. Yeah. Not a happy ending. No. But like Um, what happened to her? Right. I don't know. Who killed her? When did they kill her? Mm -hmm. And she's only been missing since noon of the same day. So she's been missing for a few hours. Mm -hmm. But... Um, what's her name? Claire. Claire has been gone since the night before mm-hmm. and they didn't take her seriously. Right. But as soon as a 13 year old girl is missing and it's been a few hours, they're jumping into action and organizing search parties and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they were able to come forward and say, look, now we have potentially two missing girls in the same town within, you know, 14 hours of each other or so. Um, it seems like they're going to, you know, start taking them both more seriously. Um, I also put down in here, you know, so Barb is drunk and contentious mm-hmm. back home. Uh, and I put down here, Barb's parents seem to want nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. And here Claire's dad is on site and so worried about her that I think that contrast was even more evident. And, yeah. And her being upset about her own circumstance probably was, um, yeah, you know, maybe exacerbated feeling by, that. Yeah. So, um, and she's going on about how everyone blames her. Everyone thinks this is my fault. And if, if we find her dead, 
you'll all think it was my fault or something like that. Uh, right in front of her father. Yeah. And uh, but what I had written down from that too is that Barb's blaming herself. Oh yeah. That, you know she's saying that everyone else is thinking it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, she's definitely blaming herself for for the situation. Mm-hmm. Um. So on top of this shitty part about being kind of left by her parents for the holidays, um. Now this is you know something has happened to Claire and and she's blaming herself for that as well. Right. Um. Uh, we go back to Peter. Yeah, Peter destroying the the shit out of this piano. Um, Rips the the whole top off of it. Takes one of those posts. It's like a microphone stand. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. Um, It looked heavy. uh, And just smashes all like the inside, like the chords you can hear. And ugh. This was worse than like an actual murder. <laughs> yeah. This, this was so hard to watch. Or John Peter destroying piano. He's a dick. <laughs> like, yeah. I lost way more respect for him at that moment yeah. than I did from their conversations before. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I have Mr. Harrison's name written down here too. Look at that. Yep. So they have Chris and Jess come to collect Phil and Mr. Harrison. Mm-hmm. They're going to go look for the local missing girl, Janice. So at this right. point they have not found the body. But they're going to go join the search um, right. group. And on their way out the door, Mrs. Mack tells Phil that she probably won't be there when they get back. And that's when I knew <laughs> that was that was the end of Mrs. Mack. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't like that because now it's it's saying, you know, don't come looking for me. Right. And so they don't. And unfortunately, she pretty quickly gets uh, mm-hmm. literally hooked and yeah. hoisted up to the attic where she's killed. Uh, and the killer then destroys the attic, similar to how Peter was destroying the piano. Mm-hmm. So the killer starts throwing stuff around the attic, and there's another call. Found Janice, I guess she's dead. Then another call. And on the call, they're saying, help me. Please stop me. And then while she's on the phone, Peter comes down the stairs. So he had just let himself in and took a nap he did he said he was he was um tired of or tired or sick or whatever of waiting outside so he just let himself in they do comment throughout the film too that there's uh the front door is malfunctioning yeah there's something wrong with the front door gotta get that fixed yeah so opening it is tough from outside locking it seems to be a difficulty Mm -hmm. so apparently it was you know 1974 he just let himself in and went upstairs right um yeah, so Janice is killed. They found the body in the park. Uh, I have same cop doesn't give Jess help with the calls. So did she get Nash on the phone again or just? Mm-hmm. When she calls to file this report about the obscene calls and Nash is just taking down her information, he repeats back her address. Yes. And Mr. H hears it and recognizes that, wait, that's where my daughter lives, who is missing. Yeah. Um, and he kind of hovers, like, listening to the conversation, but then doesn't say anything to Nash about it. Right. He's smart. Right. It's like, well, this guy's Yeah, useless. this guy sucks. So he went to the lieutenant again. Yep. Yes, you're right. And then Peter, we're back at the house. Peter is, I'm quitting the conservatory, and we're getting married. Yeah, okay. he doesn't ask. Um, right. This is this is what we're doing. <laughs> the good thing is she says no. I uh, actually loved what she said here. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, you can't expect me to give up my ambitions just because your plans have changed. Um, and I she says, was... I don't want to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> also, BT dubs. Yeah. <laughs> You're the worst. Yeah. No, I did. I liked her explanation. She didn't get all, you know, emotional and yelling and everything, even though she's entitled to all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just calmly explains, like, do you remember telling me that music was the most important thing in your life when we met? Mm-hmm. And I told you about all of, you know, some of the different things I wanted to do mm-hmm. just because you're giving up the music in the conservatory doesn't mean I'm going to give up on the things I want to be doing. Right. Um, and Which, if this was the 50s, she would have. Given up on her dreams. And said, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm having, I'd like to have an abortion would have been something she just <laughs> walked in and told him. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, 20 years, it's a big mm-hmm. adjustment on that. So she says, no, she's not getting married, gives her explanation. And he says, okay, what about the baby? Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, he's a dick. He yeah. says she can't get an abortion and she kicks him out. And if she gets the abortion, you'll be sorry. Yeah. So it's heated and he storms out as the cop is coming in and he kind of clocks it. You know, something is happening here. Mm-hmm. So the cops are here to tap the phone. She's out cold, by the way, on the back I believe of my it. Feet. <laughs> Uh, yes, the cops come in to tap the phones. These are good cops because mm-hmm. here you've got the lieutenant that we like. We've mm-hmm. got this other guy who's doing the technical pieces, but they're taking it seriously. The yeah. lieutenant, I want her to, I want him to be with Jess because he <laughs> definitely seemed interested and kept checking in on things. What about this? Do I need to know about this phone call? And she's like, oh my God, you listened to my call. He's like, well, yeah, now tell me about the baby. Like, right. that happens. I'm like, Wow, nosy fuck, but <laughs> right. But I don't know. He just seemed to be pretty invested. I, I liked that. Oh, but Peter's outside creeping around, right? And the <laughs> lieutenant Ken, whatever, makes a point of saying, like, "Don't worry, we have an officer posted outside. See, and you can see his car right out front. Okay, great. I feel safe." Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Peter is creeping like directly in front of the car. Nobody sees him. Yeah, he's about ten feet away and behind and the tree. <laughs> this is your. Your guy that's going to keep you safe out there. Right. Doesn't even see a blatant creeper who just came storming out of your house. Mm-hmm. And he just stopped tracking him, you know, 10 feet away. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel totally secure on that. And then Phil breaks down and she just assumes that Claire is dead. Uh, yeah. Which I, is I can the, feel it. Oh, that not was a sad. Great feeling. Yeah. Um, and as she's having all this, and and so I start just mentally doing the count on my side. I'm like, okay, there are six people in the house. You got Jess. Now we've got Phil and Barb, who are both going to be asleep. Mm-hmm. Claire and Mrs. Mack are already dead. Mm-hmm. And one killer. Mm-hmm. So there are six people in the house, and we don't actually know what happened to the cat. I'm assuming the cat just got out, lived a happy, long life. Oh, okay. Just let me okay. go with this. Um Oh, and the killer's rocking Claire with a doll in her lap in the attic. Did not like that. Did not love that. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. But before we see that, so the cops that are tapping the phone are explaining, like... Oh, yeah, I went way past this. (laughs) How they're going to trace the call? Tracing a call in the 70s was a shitload of work. Like, you're physically... Just, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so much. It was the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen. So the guy, it calls and then he's running around. Right. The guy at the phone company is running like up and down these aisles to find which line is active. 
It's like running around the library. And then picking it up to see if it's the right call. Yes. And he's like, great. Runs back over to here. Uh, ridiculous. It's like... like, like a, of course you have to keep him on the phone for a long time. I have to go through By the time all. I find it. Yeah, yeah. It's like if one book starts glowing on a library <laughs> shelf and you're like going through the whole Dewey Decimal. Must find it in time. One book. Right. Starts glowing for a short amount of time. That's all we're... It's... But that's exactly what he's doing. He's going up and down aisles looking for this thing. And yeah, so they miss it on the first X number of calls. Right. They do eventually get to it. Um, so yeah, so the killer is up in the attic rocking Claire and the doll, which I don't love. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's still wrapped in plastic. Yep. Still has this scared look on her face looking out the window mm-hmm. with now a doll. And he's rocking her as though it is, a, mm-hmm. you know person don't love that uh, um and then he comes down the stairs yes to find barb's room why had, he came down from the attic and that to me was just so ballsy yeah like he he's honestly just walking around like he owns this place <laughs> he but somehow made never, himself very comfortable <laughs> way too comfortable yeah is never seen uh, don't even get me started with the fact that they don't check the attic later right but there's now a broken window up in the attic, a couple of bodies in the windows. I mean, there is plenty. Like, he just needs a neon sign, like, I'm here. Right. Like, if they don't catch him soon, he's going to take the Christmas lights and just make his own sign of, like, look in the <laughs> attic. <laughs> I'm hungry. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I thought it was very ballsy of him coming down. But you're right. He, he does go to see Barb. Yep. Um, who starts screaming yelling out and Jess runs up to find her having an asthma attack in her sleep um and gives her her pump which it looks like she's never used before she's got it upside down she doesn't I don't yeah that's that's not gonna help (laughs) a couple of reasons that's not solving the issue um and then in the middle of all this shit show of a film going on right now Carol, carolers, carolers, caroler, carol, oh my god Mm -hmm. I got you singing children show up at the door Uh uh-huh Carolers. Uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> Carolers. I can't. Okay. There's carolers outside. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, um, and Jess goes to listen to them at the front door while this murderer is skulking around the house. The murderer goes on murdering, and she goes down to open the door to these singing children mm-hmm. who have so far just been singing to an unopened door. Yeah. Why? I think that's what caroling is. Yeah, but what if they're not home? You just like how many rounds of a song are you going to do before you're like, oh, next house? Good question. Yeah, I thought you rang the doorbell when they opened the door. You started singing, and mm. if they don't open the door, mm-hmm. you assume you don't. Uh-huh. They're either not home or they looked out and they don't want carolers. Yeah, I got it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to take that, cut that word out, and put okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I didn't understand the singing to a, a closed door. I didn't understand. Kids coming around to sing the same day as a 13-year-old girl had gone missing and died. Well, I don't think they knew that yet. I mean, it's 1974, but, like, people this particular group phones and stuff. Right. But it didn't seem like this group knew no. that she was missing at all. No, they didn't, which was just more concerning to me. Because I'm like, they had a whole, you know, massive amount of people who were out there going through parks and looking for... Bu- you would think. Right. Where were you? <laughs> right. Something would be on the local news. Like, hey, keep your kids inside. There's a, a killer yeah. on the loose. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. And somebody does come and find them and say like, okay, we got to go because they just found a dead girl. Yeah. Like everybody in the car, don't ask questions in the car, in the car. Yeah. And then they're like, Jess, somebody just died. She's like, oh yeah, I know I was there. It's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, the killer is back in Barb's room and calls her Agnes. Oh, wait, but we're doing this shaky camera angle again. Yeah. We're doing the point of view, shaky single camera and then he stabs her to death with the horn of a unicorn figurine. Yes. But he, what he actually says is, Agnes, it's me, Billy. <laughs> yeah. So. You know why I hate this? Um, he just keeps killing Agnes over and over. Also, my brother's name is Billy. <laughs> There's that. And so uh, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the Agnes, it's me, Billy. And then stabbed her with a glass unicorn. And then the phone rings again. And it's Billy and this other voice. And they say the words just like having a wart removed, which is what Peter Peter had said to Jess about how she was talking about having an abortion. Yeah. He like was having a wart removed. Right. He was being sarcastic with her and saying, you're talking about it like it's just like having a wart removed. Mm-hmm. So the fact that whoever called, who was again using multiple voices, um, uses that phrase. She has a moment of recognition of the phrase at the end. Right. I feel she says, oh, my God, or something like that. The cops call her right after and they call her out on that and say, it seemed like you recognized something you said, right. did you? And she uh, says no. Yeah, she she recognized it, but she didn't tell the cops because now she's worried that her boyfriend might be murdered and call her friends. <laughs> right. But I'm not sure that would have been a good enough reason for me not to tell the cops. Mm-mm. Oh, you think you know the killer? You still share it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of all people, like if you actually think Peter's a killer, you are the one person here mm-hmm. who has upset him recently. Why? Why would you be like, I, I got this? Right. Um, and she t- confides in Phil about this and Phil's like, listen, I don't even like this guy, but I really don't think that yeah. he's doing this. Even I don't think he's a killer. Right. She immediately gets another call. This time it is Peter and he's just crying and begging her not to kill their baby mm-hmm. over and over. He says that. And the cops are listening to the conversation at the station and they for sure think it's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they call her right away. Um, and, you know, the lieutenant who I think has a crush on her, it calls her right away. I, I didn't get that vibe at all. <laughs> I was reading into it. All right. Yeah. So when he calls, uh, Instead of just being like, oh, hey, that wasn't a crank call, so we don't really need to care about it. He calls and says, so you want to tell me about that and what's going on with this baby? And all all she has to say is it's personal. It doesn't concern what's going on. And she does. They do ask, you know, has Peter been there when any of these calls came in? And that's when she does remember that he was there earlier that day. Right. And therefore couldn't be the caller. Um, And And she's so relieved. Yes. But while all this is happening. First, I don't know how they didn't just call her down and say, you know, that's um, obstruction. Thank you. Obstruction of justice. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. So why they didn't just call her down and say that's obstruction of obstruction of justice. Uh-huh. You are, you know, this is an open investigation. We still can't find your roommate. We don't, like nothing here. She doesn't know at this point that Claire's dead. 
And she's still protecting Peter over anything. But, but she does tell them, like, well, this is where you could find him. If he's not at yes. Baker House where he lives, he... Might be at the conservatory. Might be at the conservatory playing. He does that sometimes when he's upset. Yeah. So at this point, now that she's like, okay, I think it's not him. Right. I'll now t- you can talk to him. Now you can question him. <laughs> um, but while this is all happening, too, there's a shadow that's moving through the room Ugh. behind them. Yeah. So meaning the killer has come back downstairs, mm-hmm. is now in the same room as mm-hmm. them, but backs away. Mm-hmm. Um and so we see that they do not see that. So they don't get scared of it, but we are terrified. So they do go. Oh, <laughs> Jess points out to Phil, you know, that there's only this one door and one this one window over here that are locked. Right. Because um, <laughs> these two men, these bumbling idiots come to the back door with their rifle yeah. um, to see if they've seen anything because they're part of the search party uh, and they open the door to talk to them, which wouldn't be me. And it's their back door. Uh uh-uh. Yep. Um, so they've got this like huge search party organized where they're going like door to door through the entire town. Mm-hmm. But nobody thought to search the whole house first. And coming door to door, they didn't ask them any questions. Mm. Like, are they doing door to door looking for Claire? Because Janice has already been found. Right. That- I think they just said they're looking for the killer or something. Oh. But they didn't ask any questions like, right. has anybody gone missing from your house today? Right. Or has anybody <laughs> checked your attic? Or, hey, there's a girl in the window. Can we go, you know, right. make sure she's okay? Um, search partiers ever. Yeah. But to, to peek in through somebody's back window. Yeah. I had, I had more concerns about the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, Jess then points out that only that back door and this one window here are locked. Right. So they start going around and trying, you know, locking up and yep. Phil's locking more windows and she goes to Barb's room. Mm-hmm. So what I wrote down was by Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as she's going into Barb's room, it's, that was it. it's not going to end well. It's a wrap. Um, oh, too soon. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when Phil dies, there's another call. Mm-hmm. And this time they're able to trace it. And the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. And they use that line. It's wonderful. That really, that made the whole movie for me. Yeah. (laughs) Calls coming from inside the house. Um, Because they mentioned earlier when they were tapping the phone that there's another phone in Mrs. Mack's room, but it's a different line. Yes. So that's where he's making the call from. Where is Mrs. Mack's room that Jess at the bottom of the stairs can't hear him? screaming into the phone no idea is her room soundproof maybe what what is happening here Uh, yeah i don't know because throughout other scenes like when there have been screams when there has been something you've got the kids singing outside you've got Mm -hmm. music you've got a party going on you've got other things masking the sound in different ways Mm -hmm. or nobody home right um but in this particular case she is now the only one Alive mm-hmm. and home. Nothing going on. <laughs> she should be able to hear right. whatever noise, you know, him screaming from another room. We finally see Jennings, who's parked outside of the house. He's dead. Yeah, that's the cop who's supposed to be keeping an eye out for right. them. Uh, so. Follow-up question. Mm-hmm. How did the search party not find him? Oh, they were going to the back doors of the house. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just, just check it. Avoided main things like streets and... Mm-hmm. Um, Lieutenant Ken gives Officer Nash the job of 
dumb. This was so dumb. Calling Jess and convincing her to leave the house. But don't tell her that the calls are coming from inside the house because that'll freak her out. Uh, just tell her to leave. And he says, if you blow this, I'll kill you. Uh-huh. Right. Which is another reason why I think he's probably got something for Jess. No. You don't usually threaten someone's life. I don't. I mean, he's an idiot. Oh, he's a total idiot. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah. Um, so, of course, what does Nash yeah, do? He's terrible at his job. And yep. he's he does try. Uh, you know, just leave. Don't ask any questions. Uh, and she. This would be you. Um, well, I have a million questions. <laughs> yes. And you if know. somebody calls me. And they're like, hey, it's Officer Nash. And I know him because I was at the station. And then you know how bad he is at being an officer. I recognize that he's a cop. Okay. And he says, don't we ask said any- different things. <laughs> don't ask any questions. Just walk out the front door. Okay. And that's what I'm doing. No questions asked. You. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Is there something around here? Do I need to know something? Is there anybody going to be outside to meet me? <laughs> what about my friends who are asleep upstairs as far as she knows? Fuck <laughs> those friends. <sighs> See, sorry, sorry, Laura. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for that. I already know exactly where I run because you get the call and you're like already out the front door. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving you here. <laughs> uh, yeah. My thing is like, what if my parents are asleep upstairs or my sister, or my brother, or my dog? Like, what if there's people, animals that... Yeah. You know, you might value more than your own life who are upstairs. I think a follow up question would not be the worst thing mm. of like, hey, am I leaving because there's a threat, a danger to my loved ones who are up these stairs right now, which is kind of where she was coming from. Mm-hmm. And Nash, you're a fucking idiot. So yeah. are you telling me don't ask questions just because you think it's fun? Right. Or right, right. why? Trying to make yourself look more important. Right. If he had just started it with... Lieutenant Ken asked me to call you and says to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I think she would have done it. If Maybe. it was just Nash calling like he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he I fucked up pretty quick. I do. Yeah. I do think that like she's at the front door and she's screaming up the stairs for the girls. Yeah. I for sure would have done that. But if they don't answer me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, if, you know, like, Phil already said, like, she hadn't been sleeping at all. Mm -hmm. So if she's not answering me, she's dead. Okay. So my note here about the way that Jess handled this, because she chooses not to leave the house, she goes to get the fire poker and go investigate further. Um, If she dies now, this is on her. Yeah, I have here, Jess screaming the dead friends, arms herself, should be leaving house. And that's all underlined. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have, <laughs> she's going upstairs instead. And then she goes down to the basement because whoever the killer is starts chasing her. Right, because she goes to check on the girl. She opens the door to Barb's room and finds both girls dead on the bed. Mm-hmm. And when she turns in the crack of the door, yeah, you just see this eyeball of the killer. Um which was terrifying. And I do give her credit because she slams the door back mm-hmm. to knock him off his game and runs. Yeah. I um, and she does try to get out the front door. Right. Which but it is doesn't work. <laughs> malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she ends up running into the basement. Yep. And locks um, herself in there. And I had written down here in all caps, I hate this part. 
Because she's going in. Yeah, she locks herself in the basement. You don't go into the basement. You don't go in the attic. You go out the door. And they have another door. I mean, and I get it. Maybe she wasn't in the right part of the house, but she wasn't because she went upstairs. Right. If she had simply gone for the door, realized this one doesn't work. Let me go out the other door. She would have still been out. Mm -hmm. So so she's hiding in the basement and there's this shadowy figure outside of the windows and peeking in and trying to see if anybody's in there. And they start calling out to her. And then he kind of wipes away the ice or whatever from the window so you can see better and we see that it's Peter. Um, and this is just, this is not a good look for Peter. Like, why are you breaking the window of the basement to get in if you're not the killer? <laughs> and, and I had here, you know, why did he know that she'd be in the basement? Right. Why did he even check the basement? Why didn't he exactly go for the front door, ring the doorbell, knock on the door? I mean, uh, yeah. So this, he comes around to the yeah. to the back door. He down the cellar stairs. He heard in. screaming. What was all the screaming about? Yeah, most of the screaming was upstairs right. in the house. No, Why I'm again? Would he come into the basement? <laughs> I'm with you. So yeah, it didn't did not look good. Um, and then the cops do arrive. And they're checking the house and they do. And this is, you know, Lieutenant Ken is mm-hmm. back with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already found that their cop who was keeping an eye on everything is dead outside in the car. Mm-hmm. They clearly know this is a serious situation right now. Um, the calls are coming from inside the house. Like they have all the information now. Yeah. Uh, except, you know, who is the actual killer? Uh, so they arrive. They find in the basement. Peter is dead. Mm-hmm. And just. Looks dead, and then she opens her eyes. Jess is actually right, and you're not quite sure at this point if he actually was the killer and Jess killed him in self defense or what happened. We didn't think that Peter was the killer, uh, but this solidified it for me because his eyes are open as he's laying there dead and they're blue, whereas the eyeball that we saw upstairs was brown. did not love that. So, but wouldn't she have known that? Like Jess saw the eyeball we saw, right? I mean, and she knows her color eyes. I guess. I mean, how closely do you think she was looking compared to like how we saw it? You know, that's true. I guess. But yeah, so she killed him with a fireplace poker. Yeah. Um. So I put here, did Jess really kill Peter and he's not the killer? Yeah. So now the murderer upstairs has turned Jess into a killer yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put here again, I want the Billy Agnes backstory. Mm-hmm. And Jess is now unconscious. She's highly medicated. They say, uh, you know, it'll be probably tomorrow afternoon before we suggest questioning right. her. She's going to be out for at least the next four hours and then right but her parents are on the way they should be here in about two hours mm-hmm. um and the doctor says he'll wait until they get there um but then mr h who is there in the room just collapses in shock of all that's happening around him um so the doctor and the cop that was with them rush him out to get him to the hospital and leave jess alone because apparently this man just going into shock, there would definitely be room in the hospital, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there was not enough room for mm-hmm. Jess to go to the hospital because they said they couldn't handle everything that was right coming in. Even though most of what's coming in 
are, are dead bodies. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to take the same beds in the same wards sure. in the hospital. But um, super weird. Yeah. So Jess unconscious on the bed, and Nash was put in charge of something. <laughs> I said Nash in charge, so of course he fucks it all up, and everyone leaves Jess in the murder house. Mm-hmm. So through this whole you know chaos that's happening right there. Lieutenant Ken has been called back to deal with something. He asked Nash to do one thing for him. Uh Nash gets called in to do a second thing. And somebody asked, I think, him to drive or something. Uh Um, So they just start shutting off lights and everybody's going here and there. They probably each think someone else is watching over this girl. And in the end, they all leave her alone in the murder house and she's unconscious for the next few hours. Right. And so I my thought here was. The 70s were wild, like that this would even happen. Um, and as we're watching, you said, <laughs> wait, are they going to end it here? And we just never know what happens. And I was like, uh, and you said, <laughs> it's the 70s. They're assholes. <laughs> and what happens a minute later? The, the end credits. <laughs> so we just never know who Billy and Agnes are. Why did they never check the attic? Right. We don't know if Jess lives or dies. Um, I assume she dies because when the credits are rolling, the phone is ringing. And he had called after every murder. Oh. Um, so that he called before some murders, too. Also not boding well for her. Uh-huh. But because remember he called when Claire was still downstairs and she went upstairs like all in a huff mm-hmm. and then she died. And they had said they've been getting these calls, too. That's true. Uh, so, yeah. So mm-hmm. that that ending was rough. Um, but wow. And well, Claire and, and Mrs. Mac. Mac mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I wrote down Mrs. Nash. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Mac are still dead in the attic with the killer. Yeah. So after all of this, and all these cops have been here mm-hmm. all day, and they checked the basement, nobody went and checked the attic. Ever. Which, yep. It's not a hidden attic. Nope. It actually has, like, the, the push-down door thing. Yep. Uh, and a permanent ladder up yep. against the wall. Yep. So the top of the stairs, anybody can climb up, which obviously this guy does often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we don't know the backstory. We don't know where this guy came from, why he targeted this house. Right. How he knew that, okay, I can climb this, I can get into the attic, and I'll just be able to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, how he even got their phone number to make all these prank calls. Right. Where he's been calling from before he broke into their house. Right. I mean, it seems So very, many unanswered questions. So many. But it seems very targeted. It mm-hmm. seems like he was going after the sorority house mm-hmm. for these reasons. And... I mean, we don't know the reasons, but he was going after the sorority house because he's been calling them. Then he shows up in person. Then he breaks into the house. Then he starts picking them off one by one, but keeping some of the bodies upstairs with him. Yeah. Like Claire's body didn't have to go upstairs. Mrs. Nash, he hooked and brought it up. It was like fishing for him. Right, right. But Claire's, he had to physically like. Right. How did he even do that? I know. Up over his shoulder. Yeah, like a fireman fireman thing. Uh Yeah, or just kind of. Polar? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, he didn't have to do that, but he, you know, seems to have a connection to her because he's rocking her and has a doll with her and stuff. Um, yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm still, I'm bitter about the ending. Yeah. I have way too many questions. No, Same. nothing, not enough was answered. Um, and this is not the first time I've seen this. 
Really? It's worse. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I've seen this in like the last two years, I'd say. And I blocked out entirely. I had never even heard of this movie. Oh no. When you started reading like, oh, this is the, the write-up and you said sorority house. And so I was like, oh, I do know this. He's going to be in the attic. <laughs> and so I remembered that. I just didn't remember that nobody finds out anything at the right. end. So I'm not happy with that. <clears throat> that was rough. Uh, so let's, let's rate it. Mm. Uh, avoidability. Hard five. You thought it was very avoidable? Yes. Wow. I mean, depending on who you are. For Claire, maybe not so much. <laughs> but if I'm Jess, avoidable. Okay. I struggle with this one because I still don't know the reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. So if he was targeting this sorority in particular, mm-hmm. is he going to continue to target the sorority girls after the holidays? Is it you know, the 10 girls who live there that are all at risk, or is it just whoever happened to be at the house at that particular moment? Mm. Um, But if it's this whole like opportunity kind of thing, why was it premeditated to the point that he was prank calling their house for months and showing up at their house to the front door, breaking into the attic, moving himself in? I mean, this seems there's got to be some sort of explanation that somebody has for why he was going after this particular sorority. Okay. But even so. So in terms of, yeah, you're getting these obscene calls. One of your sorority sisters is missing. They've just found a teenage girl murdered in the park. Uh, hi, mom and dad, I'm coming home. Yeah. I'm not staying here. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I could see on that one. So yeah. Avoidable. How about you? I get two. Okay. (laughs) Because I really, I, I, like I said, I'm struggling with the idea that if these were completely random, Mm -hmm. then yeah, getting, getting yourself out of that, you know, opportunity type thing is great. If he's only killing people that he can see, get out of his line of sight. Yeah. But if he's killing you because you belong to the sorority or because you ever answered a phone or because you live here or whatever, I think it's inevitable that you're you're harder to avoid. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. All right. I want to give it like a four. That's what I was going to say. I was, I was going to knock it down a little lower because of current technology. I'm like, we don't have house phones. I see a number pop up that I don't know. goes right to voicemail. Yeah. Text me. If you need me, text me. Yeah. If you're not going to leave me a voicemail, I'm not going to call you back. (laughs) So I think with all of that, with camera phones, with, you know, where's my phone? Find my phone. All that kind of stuff. Like they'd be like, oh, wait, Claire never left here. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think things would have been a little different. So, um, yeah, I think that the way that it ended so unresolved made it so much scarier for me. Yeah. Like he's still out there. Twenty twenty three. He's still out there. Uh, oh that that God. made it much scarier for me. Yeah, I'd I'd say for not identifying him made it scary. Yeah. Even if he was still out there, but like we knew it's like okay, his name is John Smith or whatever. Like right. But not even we've never seen his full face. We don't know how old he is. We don't know where he came from. We know mm-hmm. nothing about him. Um, except that they didn't catch him in the duration of the film. Right. So, yeah, I agree that that's where I'm sticking with the four. But 
the technology pieces, the whole idea of like, oh my God, the phone's it. No, we just put our phone on silent and right. there's none of that ringing. I mean, I have this picture hanging up on the wall here because I think behind it is the actual the phone jack. outlet for the phone jack. Yeah. <laughs> so I cover it with wall hangings and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it would have been even scarier mm-hmm. before all of oh, yeah. the advancements sure. on that one. Uh, recommendability. I'm still pissed about the end, but I'm going to give it a four. I buy that. I'll give it a four. Um, I, like I said, I had never even heard of this movie. We were just like, hey, let's watch a Christmas related horror movie. So we picked this one. Over Krampus. Right. Well, because we couldn't find it uh, streaming anywhere for free. That's true. This is Krampus's fault. Yeah, for sure. Oh. We've, we blamed him. But I was, I was genuinely scared in some parts. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the idea of, of the killers in the house idea in any kind of film. Like, right. even the, the current modern films, and it doesn't have to do with the phone call. I mean, it's scary with the whole babysitter concept of, like, yeah. the killers in the house, the calls are coming from inside the house. Right. Like, there's a reason that that has have lived through the ages. But um, it's the whole idea of, like, a home invasion Yeah, on top of everything else. It's yeah. like... That's supposed to be your, your sanctuary. Place. Yeah. yeah. Like that. You shouldn't have to worry about, you know, especially as adults to like checking under your bed, checking the closets, things like that. So like, I'll be extra cautious, I think, today, you know. Right. So I think you're going to disagree with this, but. Okay. I'm Kelly and I think I would have survived. 100% Black no. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Nope. <laughs> Go ahead. Defend this one. Tell me how you would have survived this I one. I already told you because if my... The sorority sister is missing. And you're assuming that wouldn't have been you. And they find... <laughs> no, that would not have been me. Um, and they found a murdered girl in the park nearby. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting these obscene phone calls. I'm not staying there. I don't okay. care. I don't care if I have to go and crash at somebody else's dorm. Yours. <laughs> I'm not staying in that house. Yeah, I'm not letting any sorority from that house... <laughs> Sorority girl crash in my place ever. No, I don't know if they're after you because you're a sorority girl. You're one of that particular sorority girls. If it's the address you live in, whatever it is, it attached itself to you. You don't bring that in my dorm. You're on your own. I, fuck that. No, no. I don't know if like you're wearing a target. You're not coming near me. Sorry. Wow. Good luck. <sighs> yeah. So I'll have to find other friends, I In guess. In this complete hypothetical situation, <laughs> I just let you die. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but if it makes you feel better, I will say that I'm Laura. I don't think I survived this one. Really? Well, there's, like I said, we don't know why he's targeting this group. Mm-hmm. The idea of a home invasion to me is terrifying. Yeah. And so I think there's a good chance, like, I would have just laid down and been like, you know what, that's it. This is how I go. Just froze. Yeah. Yeah. Just Put me out of my misery. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't like the home invasion concept. Um, back in the 70s, you know, with the technology being what it was and not having things like cell phones. And it wasn't like, oh, let me call an Uber and let mm. me get from point A to point B very quickly. It, it's right. not like that. Um, yeah. So I think I think I would not have made this one. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think you would have either, but uh, I definitely will say I will not. Um, What movie are you watching tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. So we're talking Christmassy. Yeah. I'm going to go with Wonderful Life. Hmm. 
one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. And they spell out everything for you in that one. <laughs> you are not left to wonder, why is Clarence coming down here and interfering with my life? Why mm-hmm. is this happening? Mm-hmm. He tells you. 15,000 times in the film. This is why I'm doing this. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. This is what I'm sent here for. Get me my goddamn wings. Right. Every time of power wings, <laughs> an angel gets his wings. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a fantastic movie. It's a holiday film, but it's feel good. It's mm-hmm. family friendly. And it doesn't leave you with an ending that makes you say, well, what happened? Everybody knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Clarence got his wings. This guy, no man is a failure that has friends. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I mean, is that what it's the saying is? Yeah. His brother comes home. Oh, such a good movie. All the spoilers, but a great movie. <laughs> what are you watching? I'm watching The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know they made a show of that? Yeah. I watched part of an episode when I was visiting my brother. Yeah. Um, I had no idea. Uh, that It's just such a good movie. It's such it a is. classic Christmas movie. Um, I watched The Santa Claus and Christmas with the Cranks, also with Tim Allen, every holiday season. Okay. I just, like, associate Tim Allen with Christmas. <laughs> so that's what I will be watching. That's it for us from this week. That one took a lot out of me. That really did. I'm Kelly, and when I am not hosting this podcast with Laura, you can find me hosting the Had to Be There podcast, where we are exploring the world one story at a time. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Had to Be There 203, or check out my website at Had to Be There.net. And I'm Laura. When I'm not doing the podcast with Kelly, you can usually find me hanging out with my dog, reading a book, or going to any one of the indie bookstores around Connecticut. Because <laughs> I will just randomly drive around and pick some bookstores for destinations. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Poltergeist and Pixie Dust, or on Twitter at Polter Pixie Pod. Um, and you can check out our website, poltergeistandpixiedust.com, to see our upcoming episodes so you can watch uh, the movies along with us. And if you have any uh, questions or movie suggestions, you can also reach us at poltergeistsandpixiedust at gmail.com. And that's it. Happy holidays. I think so. Yeah. Have a happy holiday. trained like the cat was trained to meow at killers i'm like what a weird thing to train your cat for (laughs) apparently useful but (laughs) didn't save my (laughs) life i'm tired (laughs) i'm so tired okay